the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. This winter is cranking up with sports. Just had our NBA draft. NBA free agency is here. The NFL is in week 11. Major League Baseball offseason is starting to find some traction. And of course, the hockey season is just around the corner. Plenty to talk about, plenty to write about. The Athletic has you covered. Storytelling, great analysis, and of course, all the biggest male and female superstars over there. The, the cast is, is growing every day in The Athletic. Phenomenal turnaround, phenomenal articles. Get yourself the app. Tell them what leagues and teams you follow most. You'll get a personalized feed, ad-free content every day. It's the first place I go every morning. Check out theathletic.com slash track. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Thursday evening. It's about 7 p.m. Eastern time here. We've sort of let the, uh, the rust wear off here and the shine wear off the NBA draft. Of course, we're going to talk to Scott Allen and bring in and talk the financials, talk about the big storylines, really not just during the draft, but the, the trades and now the post-draft situation in the NBA, what that means for a few teams. Uh, first off, though, I'm going to bring in our old buddy Kevin Sylvester, who uh, used to host this show with me, for me, really. I mean, he's the reason, one of the reasons this show even exists. So I certainly owe him as much time on here as possible. He's a, an analyst for PGA, the PGA Tour on SiriusXM. Uh, he's been involved with a lot of this stuff. We've had him on to talk golf quite a bit. We're going to talk a little golf with Kevin. But the reason I want to bring him in really is he also hosted a professional hockey team, their TV and radio. He's done a ton of radio work, ton of TV work. He was involved with, in, in the city of Charlotte on radio down there. So he had time with the NBA, with the NFL. He's bounced around the sports world but he's been living in the broadcast world really for the past two, three decades. And uh, look, the NBA draft was great, but if you watch it on TV and you watch it on Twitter and you try to do both, there's two different worlds happening, right? And worlds, worlds are not colliding. Worlds are doing two separate things, okay? And there's, you know, Twitter's three picks ahead. The broadcast is talking about how this guy saved the dog from dying, it's all different. It's all good in its own way, but it doesn't really gel anymore. Uh, so I'm going to bring in Kevin. We're going to talk a little bit about just the world we're in from a broadcast perspective, how things have gone in his 2020 with golf, obviously a little master's update, and a little bit about broadcasting salaries because there was a bit of news that dropped yesterday as well that I want to get his, his uh, opinion on going forward. Then, like I said, we'll bring in Scott Allen, talk about the draft, talk about the storylines, and we'll get you out of here today on Thursday. Joined on the Hip Raid Hotline by our old friend, Kevin Sylvester. I shouldn't say old. <laughs> I should say, you know, longtime friend, Kevin Sylvester. Kevin, welcome back to the show. I want to bring you in and talk some broadcast news, some, uh, some draft news. Look, it's a, it's a busy sports time. I know you've been bouncing around in the sports world. How are you? Happy holidays, a little early. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. You know, I am, I am uh, an older friend. My birthday is this week, Mike, so yes, oh. I, I think you were accurate. Accurate and saying old friend there. <laughs> and I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. Good to be with you. Yeah. Uh, look, you're the golf guy, and uh, I haven't talked golf too much on the show, but it's been a nice little run here. How, how, was, how was the Masters for you? Was it enjoyable this time of year? Was it too much to swallow with everything else going on? Uh, you know, obviously, it's, it's a one and done, hopefully, but how did it go for you? Uh, I, I thought it was great. Yeah. You know, listen, uh, the PGA Tour, and, and, and I'm biased, okay, uh, with the PGA Tour, I, I announced for them on PGA Tour Radio, but they really um, set the bar and how to handle things during the pandemic. 
and testing. And uh, many people said they shouldn't play, but look at, they pulled it off. Uh, not only pulled it off, they've done it well. They've had, you know, some positive tests here and there, and they've dealt with it uh, very well and supported the players um, that have tested positive. And look, the guy won the Masters, uh, Dustin Johnson. Let's see, he won the FedEx. I mean, what a year he's had, 2020, right? Um, he, <laughs> he's won four times. He wins the Master, wins the Masters, FedEx Cup. He beat COVID. I mean, yeah. people forget that. I mean, you know, about a month prior, he tested positive for COVID. But he sat in a hotel room by himself for 11 days, did nothing. Said he did absolutely nothing. What was the point? Just shows you how talented the guy is. And I had a chance to follow him in Boston real quick. And this is why this is why it didn't surprise me why he won the Masters. His golf coach, Claude Harmon III, I talked to him around the 16th hole. It was the final round. And, you know, Dustin was just blown away the field. And I asked him if he'd seen him, have you seen Dustin play any better than this? He said, no. And he said, when Dustin is on with his driver, he is unbeatable. And listen, he hit 79% of the fairways. And I don't want to say he blew away the field, but it's pretty darn close uh, to what Tiger did in 97, what Dustin Johnson did this weekend. The Masters, you want to talk about a broadcast presence, digital presence, phenomenal. I thought they just did their app is the best in sports. Um, they did a, done a great job and every shot you wanted to see it. Now the players championship was going to do it. So it wasn't necessarily a new thing. PGA tour was debuting that back in March, but they carried it on and I just thought they've done, done a tremendous job. So it was great. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, and, and they were up against a lot, obviously a big NFL schedule on Fox and CBS had to kind of eat crow on that to take the masters on, but I think it was worth it. I think everything went as planned. You know, it could have been a little bit more exciting on Sunday, but as you said, it was kind of an historic run for Dustin. So the right man won for sure. Look, it's a smooth transition into what I want to talk about next, which is kind of the marry between digital and social and, you know, live television broadcasts and where we're going with all this. Because it, to me, it's, it's never more clear how big of a gap there is now than during a draft, a live draft like we had last night with the NBA you know, obviously I'm following closely for personal reasons and for business reasons. You know, the pick by, by pick scenario is important to me as I'm entering things into spot track and, and keeping up with the data as quickly as possible. But, you know, I'm not even sure if you watched it, but you're certainly one of, you know, the right guy to talk to about this. We're three picks ahead on Twitter versus the live broadcast, which is trying to have a good, you know, story driven, more long form experience for its users, for its viewers. So, Kevin, you've been doing this a long time. You've been doing, you know, news. You've been, you've hosted a, a, a professional sports team on television. You've done a lot of radio work. You're obviously hosting the PGA Tour right now. How, how do we get, the, how do we bridge this gap? How do we have tele, live television and they're more long form, more dramatic, more experience driven version of something that is literally just a list of 60 tweets? That's all we needed last night were 60 tweets for the 60 picks. And, you know, many of the viewers, users would have been satisfied. So how do we bridge that gap? Or is it just, is it something that's never going to happen? It's just going to be two separate audiences and they're going to have to coexist. Yeah, I, I think um, it, it, it's an intriguing question. And believe me, one that um, content creators, um, which is media now, um, because you don't just create content for one media anymore. 
uh, you're creating content across all platforms, uh, you know, whether it be uh, video, audio, uh, digital, uh, digital encompasses web, social media, you know, all those things uh, that are involved, frankly, perhaps too many uh, <laughs> out there uh, right now. But it makes shows like this possible, uh, which is great. I think it's a, I think it's a great thing. Um, it, it makes the audience be more discerning on what they follow and what they want. And yeah, there are some viewers that want to see the traditional NBA, uh, you know, draft broadcast. I always, I love the NBA draft, by the way, just, you know, all the trades that happen, yes. the intrigue that goes into it. Um, it, it it's fantastic. Um, but anyway, and I actually hosted a draft show when I uh, worked in Charlotte and, and worked on the Hornets broadcast. And it was just always my favorite night of the year. Uh, but anyhow, um, you, know, you have the traditional viewer who wants, okay, here's the pick. What did this guy do? Let's go to the analyst. Uh, tell me where this guy's going to fit. You know, with the where's Lamelo Ball going to fit with the Hornets? Uh, let's talk about the Michael Jordan, uh, you know, yeah. Lavar Ball uh, side story there, which is awesome. Um, so all, all those things go into it, and then yes, you have the younger generation that uh, wants the instant stuff, right? Yeah. They, they want to get the tweet. They want to get hit on it. They want the Instagram story. They want to put their own little spin on it there. They want to start creating jerseys and all these things uh, that go into it. And, yeah, I, I, that, that's a different audience. The problem is uh, most of us have, at least in what we do like, um, we're two-screen, at least two-screen viewers, right? Yeah. We're watching it while we're checking Twitter, Instagram. That's exactly the uh, problem. You're right. You're right. I'm trying yeah. to do both, but I can't because the, the gap is so big. That's exactly the problem. Yeah. Um, and, and listen, for, for you know, broadcast to kind of take you inside the truck, uh, you know, listen, they have all this great insight, and that's why the viewer is watching. Um, you know, they're they're watching to have, you know, Reese Davis, uh, you know, set up the analysts uh, with a tell, you know, get, you get the former coaches, and uh, forgive me, I didn't I didn't know who was on with it last night, but, um, you know, to get Jason Williams, for example, mm-hmm. or um, Jalen Rose to tell me where this guy fits and that takes time. And, you know, if they, if they didn't have all that, then they just go, you said 60 tweets. Here we go. Here's the pick. Here's the second pick. Bing, bing, bing. But uh, it, it's a show. And it first started out as a television show, an intriguing one, and they would hold picks back and embargo the information here. And maybe, you know, there, there, there's got to be a way to embargo it um, where nobody leaks it out. Um, but that's not today's world, right? Everybody wants to get everything first, yep. not everything right, and get it out there. Um, and sometimes people follow sports, tweet things out that are hunches or what they think they should do, and people take that as gospel. <laughs> and it may not be actually what happens. Um, but, yeah, the, the only way you can do it is to uh, embargo the information or seal it, if you will, and not have your social media teams tweet anything out until it's announced on television. Yeah, because be the only way. Yeah, that can happen. And you know, ESPN had this conversation. You know, and I'm I'm not obviously, you know, close enough to where I would reach out to them and say, you know, you know, <laughs> I love to be inside that rabbit hole. You know what I mean, and understand what they were thinking because Adrian Wojnarowski, an ESPN employee, was the one tipping most of these. And you know, there were a couple other players out there, of course. But clearly there was a conscious decision to let him do that, knowing that it was going to precede the broadcast. Um, so, you know, ESPN was kind of creating their own problem 
So I guess just just ask, just guessing, Kevin, did they just get to the point where they said, we don't care? We know that there's two direct lines of audiences here, you know, the, the ADHD kids who are just going to sit on their phones on Twitter and, and, like you said, create jersey pictures to post out or, you know, the more long-form audience that's going to sit here and watch the analysis and, and actually right. enjoy this with a sip, of, a sip of whiskey. You know what I mean? Do they just basically yeah, say, well, we're, we're just going to placate to both audiences and if there's, a, if there's people like me who are sitting in the middle of it, we, we feel bad for those people. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I'll give you uh, – yeah, so if I, if I were producing uh, the show and uh, I feel like I have credibility to say this, I haven't produced shows. But if I were producing the draft for television, I would not care about Twitter. Um, I would produce the best television show because that's the main function of the media. Now, I say wouldn't care about Twitter – um, that, um, I love how my Christmas clock goes off my house already. Sorry. Uh, hey, I'm here <laughs> for that. that <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow, I, you've got to care a little bit about Twitter, but I wouldn't care that Twitter gets it first. Um, with that, like I would show the, the, the player got picked his tweets or his Instagram post, his reaction, uh, you know, it adds elements in there. But when you do that, uh, I believe you do that. You're driving your viewing audience to Twitter, correct? Instead of on your screen. That's so that's, that's the follow up I, I had, Kevin. I, I had to leave the t- yeah. the broadcast. I had to leave it. I t- I turned the TV off and stayed on Twitter because it w- it was just the more conscious choice for me. So you're right. I, I feel like ESPN has to worry about Twitter a little bit because I I couldn't be the only one that did that. You know? No, they do because there are other people following the league, tweeting about it. Uh, you got family members and friends of the players drafted who might be tipping things off to, right. you know, to me, any draft, whether it be NFL, NBA, no one should know who's selected until the commissioner announces it. The team shouldn't be calling the player ahead of time. They've already done all their homework. All right. Like you don't need, do you really need to call the player ahead of time? Hey, hey, hey Lamella, we're picking you. All right, get ready. We're excited to have you here. Why can't that call take place after the commissioner makes a selection. Um, it should be, uh, you know, the, the excitement should be there. I mean, most players are texted ahead of time. Hey, get the, you know, Timberwolves hat ready to go. You know, to me, I don't even want that. I, I, we don't even need that. I, I, I want the instant surprise. Don't you? Yes. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I want it to be known by anyone. You know, the general manager tells the yeah. commissioner, all right, we're, we're taking LaMelo Ball here, third overall. And LaMelo Ball doesn't know. ESPN doesn't know. Everybody doesn't know. Listen, they have all the graphics built, so there's so much production, pre-production work that goes into it. They can throw that graphic up there after he announces it. Um, they don't need to be tipped off on that. And, and that, that can be surprised. To me, that's the, the only way possible. I can understand why a producer would want to know ahead of time so we can get those graphics up because there are certain standards that we're used to as viewers. Um, there's, you know, everybody's a critic nowadays. So they, they want to put on the best show that they possibly can, but there are a few surprises in life. This should be one, in my opinion. I, I totally agree. I, I mean, own your content, right? Own your brand, own your content. I, I, I guess the trouble I'm having, and maybe you can clear it up is, is it the NBA's content or is it, ESPN's content and what happens in the NFL when there's multiple networks. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Like how, how, how can we kind of rein this in a little bit, but also make sure that the right people 
are getting the credit for it. Cause obviously ESPN paid a boatload for this draft, you know, at some point in time, um, is it their content to produce or is it, or is this coming from an NBA feed, Kevin? Well, so from my experience, what, what's typical is it's a joint. Um, yeah. So ESPN pays a rights fee to the NBA. Mm-hmm. So what do they get for those rights? They get the rights to broadcast games. They get the rights to uh, do the drafts, you know, maybe uh, you know, magazine shows, et cetera digital content um they get better access for interviews for coaches you know the sideline stuff um to create their content they own that content but i'm willing to bet the nba has rights to that content meaning they can use it however they see fit to their digital platforms through their shows and if you're the nba you have somebody creating content for you it's a win-win and you're getting yes and you're getting paid handsomely for it and it's worth it i you know, the NBA, I think there's a lot of things right, um, you know, you know, for sure. And, and they, they've been, um, you know, their commissioner is very forward thinking. So I, I would say they probably jointly own the content. It's interesting because these are one of those things, you know, it's one of those live TV shows that we all really kind of gravitate towards. I, I know you're not even a big NBA guy, but I bet you watch some of it at least to get the first couple of picks in. Um, do you think this will button up? Or is this just one of those problems we're going to have every year now? Well, I, I think, uh, listen, information is always going to be leaked. Um, people um, like to like to be insiders, right? And they like to give information to insiders. Like, they like to, to be in the know. Hey, here's what I'm hearing. Um, gosh, you know, it's like I could, I'd be a gazillionaire if I uh, went with everything I was told, right? You know, someone <laughs> says, hey, this is what I know or hear you're like, okay, I, I, I got to vet this information and yada, yada, yada. Um, but so that stuff's always going to happen. And you have people always want to find out these things. Um, and, and that's okay. I mean, that's what, um, you know, sparks conversation, sparks interest. And in the end, that's what the, that's what all sports teams, leagues, uh, athletes want, right? Interest. That, that leads to eyeballs, no matter what platform it's at. And that moves the needle. So I, I, I I don't know if it does need to be corrected, if that makes any sense to you. I, you know, in the you're end, probably right. You're, get, you're getting the content. You're looking at the two platforms. Both platforms are, are winning then because your eyeballs are on each platform. I, I agree with you. If we take away anything, I agree with you on this. Why, do, why, does, why does the player have to be notified first? That should change. That should change, right? Absolutely. Because yes. that'll be the start I, of it. That's less. That's less people that can tip the pick, right? <laughs> right. I, you know, I, maybe you know the only thing I can think of is you get a, a, a bad reaction. Um, and oh, but come on, you know, you know how that works. Well, well, look at uh, look at the NHL draft lottery. Oh gosh, what what year is it? When uh, so 2012 um, when Edmonton won. The lottery. Oh, and yeah, right. Connor right, McDavid. Right. Connor McDavid, the look on his face was like, oh, God. Right? I mean, <laughs> he barely did interviews. <laughs> but he wanted to play in Buffalo. He played, you know, he's from the Toronto area. He played in Erie nearby, uh, you know. Uh, I was, I mean, <laughs> believe me, it was on his face like, oh, God. Yeah. So maybe that's what they, they don't want. But, hey, that's. Come you know, on. That's, that's gold. That's part of life, right? Oh, that's yeah, gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, 
I mean, believe me, the, the, the producers and directors are like, oh, this is fantastic. This is riveting television. And uh, Are you kidding me with memes now, like, Kevin? Oh, that, that's a meme. That's a treasured meme right there is what that is. We need more of that in our life. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. It's, yeah, yeah, things become iconic. So you know. <laughs> All right, I want to finish. I want to finish on this, and it's a you know a little bit more in our wheelhouse with the the financials of things, uh, but it's certainly not something we're tracking on the website. Andrew Marchand from the New York Post yesterday had a nice article breaking down Jim Nance's pending contract negotiations with CBS, and you know, for, to no one's surprise, he's looking for Tony Romo money, which sounds ridiculous <laughs> because. Number one, Jim Nance is Jim Nance, you know, basically a uh, just a legend, already a legend. He's not even done yet. You know, the, speaking of the Masters, he, there's your Masters guy. There's your March Madness guy. There's your, you know, CBS Su- Sunday football guy, just to name a few. He's everywhere. And he's also Tony Romo's play-by-play guy. So just let's just start with this. He absolutely should be at Tony Romo's $17.5 million, if not more, Correct. Well, as someone who aspires to sit in any of the chairs Jim Nance sits in yeah, right. <laughs> at any point, uh, I'd say yes. Um, you, you know, Romo is a move-the-needle guy. He kind of changed. Uh, he came in and was Madden-like, if you will, uh, instantly, um, where you're like, you listen, you hung on every word, and Madden used to be that way. I mean, you think of kids today, they know Madden is a football game. I explained to my, my son, you know, he was an old football coach and then an announcer. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, Romo's kind of launched himself in that strategy, but we're talking about Jim Nance. Yeah. I mean, this guy is smooth. I, I met Jim once, and I, I get to interview him uh, for PJ Tour Radio at Pebble Beach, where he lives. And let me tell you, it was – Tremendous experience for me. Uh, he was so kind, and more importantly, he knew who I was. I'm like, oh. wow. Because Kevin, I actually, I listen to PJ Tour Radio. I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, he's like, no, I listen all the time, and and um, it, it was just it was just great. And he is he, the guy's a star. He really is. He's so smooth. He's so great at what he's done and be able to do it for as long as he has and for as long as he, if he wants to do it. I I can't foresee. Jim Jim Nance is CBS Sports uh, right now, so I, you know, I, I I wish him the best. I want every announcer to get as much money as they possibly can because that's good <laughs> good for my business. <laughs> Trickle up effect, huh? Um, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but you know, here, here's the question that I that I guess I really want answered is, you know, Tony Romo's the the color guy. Yes, he you know he's lightning in a bottle, and certainly the timing of his, of his contract extension last year after just the becoming a social media darling with this stuff. There's no other way to put it. Uh, obviously benefited him. He's making more than a million dollars a broadcast. You know, if you count one Sunday game or maybe a Thursday game, that's a million. That's 1.1 million per, per broadcast for Tony Romo, which is insane. Is it commonplace for color guys and play-by-play guys to be equal pay or is the play-by-play guy generally more? You know, I would imagine Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, there's a, there's a, solid gap in terms of those two pays. Is that, is that incorrect in thinking? Yeah, I, I would. Boy, that's a, that's a good, I mean, yeah, thinking Joe Buck makes more than Troy Aikman. <laughs> I don't know. Is that wrong? No, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, network wise, but I'm, I'm sure Troy's paid handsomely um, for it. You know, I, I think it, 
it depends on the stature uh, of the announcer. Um, and it just depends on the stature of the player and what the player is uh, putting on. So let's look at John Gruden, for example, when he went to Monday Night Football. Remember, he remember he was yeah. uh, seemingly wildly overpaid and it, it, for the time, but he was he turned down some coaching gigs, so there was leverage that he had. And you know, Romo could argue whether or not he's going to play again or not, but he left that to go to this. Um, you know, I, I think there were some coaching opportunities with Romo. And so I, I think, you know, leverage certainly matters. And one of their options that the analyst has, I think it depends on the sport too, how many eyeballs are watching the sport. Um, you know, are, are, you, are you going to pay? I mean, and it, with Romo, the interesting thing with him is he is very entertaining, even if you have a bad game, like he can carry it. Uh, and he's got, you know, Jim, Jim Nance is such a pro that he can set anybody up, but he they play off each other very well. Right. And whereas I think when you look at Fox, I think Joe Buck is more entertaining as a play-to-play guy than Aikman is. And that's not to say Aikman doesn't uh, deliver uh, informative information, but Joe Buck uh, is more of the entertainer I see on those broadcasts, just in my opinion, uh, than Troy Aikman. But they make a good team uh, because of that. So. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, there's a pecking order and, and working your way uh, certainly down. But you're talking about Nance and Buck. I mean, these guys, and, and I'll put Al Michaels up there. I mean, right, these are the icons mm-hmm. uh, that, that we have right now, the major networks, and um, they're there. You know it's big when they're there, and uh, these guys are stars, so they should be paid that way. So I, I like how you approach that because it's not so much about the role. It's about how they – utilize the role and how much maybe weight they carry even out of the booth, right? I mean, it's, you know, Joe Buck is kind of a polarizing figure. He's had his ups and downs for sure. And I think anybody's going to in that seat when you do it as long and really is, you know, the baseball crowd is going to be different than the football crowd, right? And then his, his couple efforts at golf, maybe not so great, but he's been, a, he's been resilient in that, in that as well. So there's a little bit to that. You mentioned Gruden, Kevin. Do you know what Gruden's salary was? At ESPN in 2018, two years ago. I want to say I want to say he was eight million bucks. Six and a half. Tony Romo is right, a, six and a half. Tony Romo is eleven million more. Eighteen months later, that's how that's how well, big this deal was. Yeah, I want to say, but there was a new contract. Wasn't there a new rights uh, contract negotiated between uh, the networks? Um, it it might have been the case. Oh, yeah, um, that's what I mean about timing. Yeah. The Ro- Romo hit lightning in the bottle. Yeah. Everything was in his favor. You're right. He got offered, I think, a coordinator job to, to leave the booth. CBS was up, and, and now they're gonna, CBS is going to redo their football contract, too. So they had to kind of play it into that as well because they're going to pay a fortune now for football. Yeah, you know, you know the interesting thing is, so let's, let's equate it to another visual medium and, you know, let's say television and movies. Okay, take it away from sports announcers. Let's do television and movies. And, yeah. you know... He, when you when you watch television, a television show, um, you can say that's a good actor, but wow, that person just grabs your attention. Same with movies, right? You have guys that play uh, unbelievable roles and are phenomenal. I think of a, a guy from uh, our hometown of Buffalo, William Sichter, yeah. right? Great character actor. He's in everything and he's awesome, right? But he, for the most part, for the most part, is not a headliner, right? He's not a He's not a, a Tom Hanks. He's not a Brad Pitt. I mean, 
And you could argue, well, that's some of the marketing promotion, and perhaps it is, but William Fichtner is a Hall of Fame actor, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and, and he probably didn't get paid as much when he's, uh, you know, working a movie with uh, Johnny Depp, for example. They were in the, the Lone Ranger together. Fichtner was the bad guy, uh, Johnny Depp, when he played uh, Tonto, all right? Depp got more money. Uh, no question about it, but Fichtner was, you know, perhaps even better at the movie. So, you know, th- that stuff happens. It's just all what you're able to negotiate and what you're willing to accept. Yeah, there's no question. It's about a, uh, it's about the the timing and the negotiations and the likeness, right? So, you know, that's that's the other part of this. Romo has, you know, the Corona. I, I believe it's uh, he's got a, he's got a sneaker Skechers. deal, Skechers, right? I, yep. That's all him yep. personally, right? I mean, not, that that's completely separate from any kind of CBS deal, right? That those two things never marry each other. Uh, I, I would guess not. Um, and you know, but you know, the good news for. CBS um, is Skechers by that time, Corona by that time yep. on their broadcast. So they get advertising revenue out of that. Maybe it may be facilitated by them. I, you know, who knows? Um, you know, like I know I've, I've done some uh, commercials in the Buffalo area and they've been, you know, some have been facilitated by uh, the station that airs on. Others have been independent and they could uh, air anywhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, it all depends on how those things uh, certainly come about, but you know, Nant has uh, his own clothing line through Vineyard Vines. So, yeah. um, and he has he does Titleist uh, golf ball ads. So you know he has that ability too, and which you know is he's a personality he should should have those opportunities to do so. As I said before, I am for announcers and personalities making as much money as they can. Good stuff. Anything else to add here, Kevin? It's been a while, man. Yeah, no, I, you know what? It's uh, it's fascinating to talk about. It's it's funny, um, you know, it, it, peers we don't talk about it enough, um, and I think maybe part of it is we're probably afraid to hear what our other guy, our friends are making. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're on the wrong show then, Kevin, because that's literally the role of my job. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I think it's I I I, 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 I think it's fascinating. Speaking and, of, how uh, much do you make, Kevin? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Boy, that's a that is a that's a that's a tough question, though. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, here's the funny thing about all the jobs in announcing sports, mm-hmm. and this is the this is the, the secret. But listen, every every uh, producer, head of a network, anybody who has a hiring manager, whatever, they all know this. We'd all do it for free. It's 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 fun. It's a high sure. to call sports and to be there and have the best seat in the house. Uh, it's, it's, a we're, we're blessed to do it. And I think I speak for everybody in my business. We are blessed to do what we do. That doesn't mean we don't, we, that doesn't mean we're going to do it for free. Just saying we would. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're one of the best to do it around here. You have been for a long time. I appreciate your time coming on the show, Kevin. We'll get you back on soon. All right, Mike. My pleasure, buddy. Thanks, Kevin. All right, let's switch gears here from how the NBA draft looked to what actually happened. I did a piece this morning, which seems outdated already, as articles generally do. Um, That kind of highlights five storylines. We're going to bring in Scott Allen here and, I guess, kind of breeze through those because you're probably a little fatigued with much of that talk throughout this day. But the uh, the focus now really isn't so much, Scott, on these draft picks, which is kind of like a backseat now to 
what's coming in free agency. How, how is this for you, by the way? Is this too smushed together? Let's start there because we, we, we barely finished that second round. And, you know, outside of a couple of low-hanging fruit discussions that have happened today, the focus is now on a couple of these free agents, certainly the Gordon Hayward option decision. And what I, what I want to start with, which is the Bogdanovich situation, it, it's all a little too tight, right? We're just going to have to fight through this week. Yeah, very tight. I mean, we went from the draft ending at just after midnight Eastern time to teams were already having agreements with undrafted, uh, undrafted free agents with two ways and exhibit tens. And then all these options were due by five o'clock today. So you've had all these options. You've had teams doing trades. You've had uh, players being uh, extended qualifying offers. You've had guys being waived. I mean, there's been been a slew of, you know, months worth of information happening within 24 hours. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I want to start with the Bogdanovich situation because two days ago, we were all under the impression that Milwaukee was you know, a three-horned tripod ready to roll here. And it was going to be Giannis and Drew Holiday and Bogdanovich, and that made sense. And you throw in Middleton, and that's a heck of a little team there. Well, not so fast. But I've spent the last eight hours today listening to sports radio, sports TV, and the focus has been on how bad Milwaukee botched this. You know, how could they do this when Giannis is sitting there hanging in the balance and they're trying to make sure that they, they show their best face for this superstar who could leave really at any, any point in time now? I mean, he's probably on the trade block for a lot of teams as it is. So how off base is that? Okay, what actually happened with this sign and trade and has it actually fallen through or are we just in limbo right now? So the situation is most, from what I saw, there were a bunch of executives in the NBA that sort of balked at the tattletailed on trade. Tattletailed. Well, Say not it. necessarily. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say tattletale because I will. I, e, e, even I, I was like, you know, I was like, well, explain trade, it, explain it. Yeah. Free. Explain, explain what the problem so, is here. So the problem is a sign and trade is you're signing and trading with a free agent. And then the, there are no negotiations whatsoever with free agents and any kind of signing right now as it is, that doesn't happen until tomorrow at 6 PM. Right. So the fact that this, was reported that Bogdanovich and Milwaukee were in Sacramento were having this sign and trade broke all the rules of talking with free agents ahead of time. Right. Uh, so th- because these execs were having some concern that there was this, you know, backwater deal, but it was reported on and it, it didn't sit well with a lot of people. And now the, the NBA is launching an investigation on it, which Rightly so, they should because you know you don't want teams bucking bucking the rules and and getting away with it. Um, I mean, they literally now, have a tampering period built into the off season, right? right. It starts that, Friday or is it Friday tomorrow? Tomorrow, tomorrow, Friday at six p.m. Yeah, um, and if you're listening to it, it's and today, we're not naive. But, we understand that there's players talking to players and things right. like that. The problem here is the report. The problem here is that Woj and Shams and the big boys got wind of this and it became a thing. And, and once those reputable sources say it, 
we are all just preconditioned to believe it. So that's where we are. So when you would say investigation, I, w- I want to clear this up. It it may not be. It probably won't be Milwaukee at the end. You know, that's in trouble here. Now they may fall into some legal issues, and they've been fined before for some verbal collusion in terms of a Giannis extension. But somebody leaked this. And Mm -hmm. I hate to say this out loud, but it's an election year and there's a lot of this happening right now, right? Anyone can kind of say anything right now. And if enough people retweet it or push it around, it becomes fact. You know, that's why we were all being so delicate yesterday with the Clay Thompson injury news. Because, again, until Woj said it today, I wasn't believing anything. Um, but if some, if, you know, if the right three or four people say, Hey, Milwaukee's going to sign and trade for Bogdanovich. And all of a sudden that retreats 700,000 times, which it's pretty easy to do these days. Now it's fact. Now it's social media fact. And that's where we got to two days ago. So, you know, if the NBA does their due diligence and finds the, uh, the snake at the source of this rumor, you know, and, and maybe it's fact, maybe it ends up happening, maybe it's truth, but somebody leaked this early, whether that's the agent, the team, in which case they're in big trouble, or some other third-party source that was trying to torpedo this. Let's be fair. That, that's mm-hmm. a big possibility here, that they were trying to torpedo this move from happening um, and knowing this would do it, this could do it. It's happened before, right? Chris Paul yeah. to the Lakers, Yep, that ended up, just the NBA had to completely nix that move for, for one reason or another. So there is some precedence for the NBA stepping in and saying, hey, you broke the rules. This, this, pro, this can't process. So I just want to get it out there that there's a, there's a distinct possibility that this is not Milwaukee's fault, this is not Sacramento's fault, and this is not player or agent's fault. This is a bit of an ambush. It's possible, and hopefully that's part of the investigation. Of course it is. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and you mentioned Milwaukee was fine. They were fined $50,000 back in September 2019, so just over a year ago, for uh, talking about future extension with Giannis. So, you know, um, I, I, I hope that they figure out what has happened, but I think, I think you're right. It, it, there are a lot of different avenues that it could be. It could be somebody trying to sabotage the situation. I, I wonder if you know, because James of Dolan. the Drew Holiday, <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder if the Drew Holiday trade got everyone so excited and you know trigger happy and let let things fly and after one tweet went then another and another and another and um, but it, it's 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 a bad look for the Bucks because that was a shooter that they were yeah hoping to have now that they they probably won't have uh Bagdanovich is now a, a restricted free agent which means he can be offered a, an offer sheet from another team and Sacramento has the right to match it um notably though it's got to be a team that has cap space has to have cap space so, with the offer sheet there's like yep. two <laughs> so th- th- there are avenues whether it ends up at you know, it can still happen with the signing trade with Milwaukee. I, I put that slim to none now. Really? Uh, I, if they can do the investigation and find out that there was no no issues, then yeah. maybe they would allow it. But I mean, from from this point on, it, 
I mean, it, all those transactions don't even exist because it's just, you know. Yeah, back to um, square one. That's where we are. Back, back to square one. I still right. give Milwaukee so, a fighting chance, but. Yeah, you're right. The investigation is going to be a part of this now. I, I, I think Milwaukee should should ignore the investigation right now and let that play out and still make this well, deal if possible. Well, and I wonder if some of it also, you know, one way or another, we talked about it. What Sacramento was getting back from Milwaukee was not stellar for what they were going to get in Bogdanovich. So, um, too much maybe, or too little? Too little, I think. So you think? I mean, you think other teams some, are going to offer more? They could. Okay. Um, okay. I think. I mean, there were some nice pieces, but I don't think it's anything that was going to make Sacramento a, a ton better. Sure. Uh, but but I think there may be other teams that are going to be in for the sign and trade now or offer sheet or anything like that. So let me, like let me that, ask so. you how, about the sign and trade a little bit, because it's obviously become a big part of this NBA off season now for the past three, four seasons. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to see, you know, a half dozen or so this off season. You know, we've, we're talking about how teams kind of struggle to go back and forth with each other and negotiate legally, even though we know it happens. But in terms of the sign and trade, that's all fair play, right? I mean, if, if Sacramento, or for instance, if the Knicks call Sacramento and say, hey, we're interested in Bogdanovich, they, they can have a complete back and forth about a deal that works for both sides, right? It's essentially a three-person conference at that point, right? It's Bogdanovich and his agent, it's the Knicks, and it's the Kings, and we're all together working on a deal that we all agree to, and then right. obviously then there's trade compensation. There's going to have to be a, comp- uh, a salary match involved at that point, like a standard trade would. So at that point, you know, after noon Sunday Eastern, when free agency actually opens, it's all fair game, right? It's all open discussions between teams, agents, and players. That's how the sign and trade works, right? There's essentially no, and really that can start happening Friday, tomorrow, right? Right. That's part part of the moratorium. Okay. Yep, exactly. Okay. So if that was happening Tuesday, you know, then then both teams are in trouble here. Obviously, Correct. obviously both teams mm-hmm. and the agents in trouble and, and there's a lot to be had, but you know, and there would be no issues. If, this. Yeah. There would be no issues if they, there was no report tweeted out about this happening. And then all of a sudden it happened at Friday at six o'clock. And that's and why there would be no issues. That's why I brought up what I brought up because that seems such a, like a, like such a torpedo shot. You know, I hope it's not, I hope it's not, you know, dirty and an, and an ambush like I'm referencing, but it just seems like it, it very well could be. All right, let's get off the negatives. There's some positives from last night for sure. Um, very quickly, I, I don't even have, have it in my article, but LaMelo to the Charlotte, fine. Yeah, I like it. Does it completely negate the opportunity of Russell Westbrook going there now? Probably. I would say that was probably one of the top three teams for Russ. Um, yeah, Probably. I'll you, have to say I, I was completely wrong on my uh, guess with Edwards yeah. going outside the top three. <laughs> you got to listen to me more, Scott. On that. I know you're the NBA <laughs> guy in this company, but you got to listen to me more. Um, look at you and I both uh, both listen and follow to Brian Winters from ESPN quite a bit, and he has come out in the past couple of days pretty feverishly saying Russell Westbrook has absolutely no trade market, none. Is that too strong? Can I counter uh, first? I mean, yeah, Al Herford got traded last night. Uh, right, eighty-one million left, sixty-nine million guaranteed, barely 
offered an ounce of production to Philadelphia in year one. And he's going to OKC, we think, at least, where, you know, he's going to be a role player at best on a young team. That guy got traded last night. Now, granted, Philadelphia had to send two draft picks along with him to get it done. And, you know, that's sort of been a, a trend now in a lot of sports. But if that can happen, Russell Westbrook can get traded, right? Well, Horford's salary is half of what Westbrook <laughs> is, too. So keep that in mind. But I, I agree. The production, you'd think a team, you know, may want that production. But we've also seen Russ, Russ, Russ is 25, 10, and 10, Scott, over the past three years. 25, 10, and 10. I know he's probably I, a pain in the ass, and he's probably not a great fit for a rotational team. But just throw him on the Knicks now, right? Just do it. Just put that guy in Madison Square Garden and let him cook. Yeah, he he is a guy that, you know, it's got to run through him. And he's, I mean, we saw it with the back-to-back triple-doubles. I mean, it's it's him and everybody else. So if the Knicks want that, then then great. But if the Knicks are trying to build a team for the future with chemistry and everything. (laughs) (laughs) But... Windhorse knows yes. he's in the know. That's he why I brought it up. So I, I, know feels, you, I know you follow him feverishly. I, I know it's I a big deal. So if he's saying but, it now, then maybe this thing has to pause for a bit, right? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I mean, we, we talked about the rumors with Wizards. I haven't heard anything new about that. And, you know, teams. Okay, so let's, let's say it's the Wizards because I agree with you. I think that's probably the right team. But as I said in the last show, Scott, it can't be for John Wall right now. But isn't that a perfect opportunity to wait? I, I got to see John Wall on the court for, for two and a half months and make sure that he's at least 95% of what he was for a couple of games before this injury or before one of the three injuries, honestly. Um, that's just good business, smart business by Houston. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to consider this move because Russ needs out and we'd love to replace him with somebody who can at least – come close to that production, which John Wall has shown at times he can. But give me two months. We'll talk at the trade deadline. We'll go from there. I, I think that's exactly where we're going. Now, you brought up the great point last show, Scott. If Houston's tanking, Russ is gone. But I, I still think Russ is here for a bit in Houston. Harden, I'm not so sure about anymore, but I'm pretty sure Russ is going to have to stay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with Windhorse, which I, I know you're probably leaning towards as well. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. And you bring up the trade deadline. We still do not know when the I trade know, deadline. I know. I know. I was going to ask is, you, and I was which, like, you know what? Nobody knows. Yeah, but but they they know so much else that they haven't been able to figure that out, which is interesting. Um, so I mean, that's a conversation for another time. But all right, let's whip through these storylines as quickly as possible. I, I mean. Yeah, we'll, we'll roll a couple, a couple of draft picks in here, but it was kind of a boring draft, let's be frank. It's, it's really more about the aftermath than what happened last night. Obviously, we've got to start with Philadelphia. Uh, Daryl Morey made his mark pretty quickly here, and it wasn't Ben Simmons, and it wasn't Joel Embiid, which is the right way to go here, right? There are, there are bigger problems on that roster from a cap-and-cash perspective, from a basketball perspective, right? Spacing the floor was impossible with their current roster. Anybody with a basketball mind knows this. Like I said, he moves Al Horford and that $81 million remaining. He also moves Josh Richardson, who's a nice player, only $21 million remaining, one of, one of which is a player option. Uh, but he gets three 
shooters back. He gets Terrence Ferguson. He gets Danny Green. He gets Seth Curry. He gets experience. He gets his son-in-law, Doc Rivers' son-in-law and Seth Curry. He gets a younger player in Terrence Ferguson on, on an expiring rookie contract. And yet they also draft a shooting guard with their first selection. So clearly it's about shedding some cash, shedding some salary, shedding some bodies that were really just kind of statues out there on the court in Horford and Richardson. You know, Richardson had a couple of nice games, but certainly not enough to, to keep him long term. Um, and let's spread the floor. Let's get some guys behind the three-point line and let's make some damage in the East. I, I don't have a bad thing to say about this. Do you? I mean, I've got the numbers on our article. They saved themselves a net of 11 million cap this year, and they netted themselves 58 million cash in these moves. That's, that's good business for your first couple of moves as the, as the president of operations, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mora is going in and showing why he's a genius that he is. And yeah. he's saying that the, the issue is not Simmons and Embiid. It's, yeah, we have no, sh- we have yet, 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 but, but we need shooters. We need, we need those. Let's go and get them. They made those moves and you know, he, he's retooling that, that roster on the fly. He got rid of Horford, which some people didn't think would, they were going to be able to get rid of anyways. And they found a taker in that as it is. Yeah. So I, I have no issues with what he's doing. I'm I, it's, it's kind of a, a, a what he did in Houston as far as um, you know moving people around and getting the the players in there that are gonna meet the needs of that roster and that coaching staff. But you know it, it, it's a, a, a breath of fresh air for Philly yeah. in that you know there's some positive being talked about instead of the negative of who's gonna go one went but. You know, with the Simmons and Embiid, I, it, I'm more interested to see how this is going to work now with them having brought in Curry and Green and Ferguson. Yeah, it's a no-brainer move. Whether it works or not in year one, who knows, but it's a, it's a step in the right direction. There's no question about it. Uh, he's on record now saying he's not done. He's going to be active in free agency. They did just unlock about an $8 million trade exception. So, And I believe they also unlocked the ability to use their mid-level exception. Is that correct, Scott? I believe that's right. So they, they do have some, yep. some flexibility now in free agency, uh, whether or not, you know, uh, those aren't going to be big names, I wouldn't imagine, although some sort of signing trade could happen. Uh, you know, do, are, do they go as far as they get Tobias Harris off this roster too, Scott? Or is that too much? They're going to try, aren't I'll they? Say, uh, anything's possible. No, here, I'm going to rephrase that. Any. Anything is possible, but I think they keep Harris because he did really well it with Doc in the Clippers. Good point. So Good point. I think they're going to see how it goes with what they have. Okay, and just add some smaller pieces to complement yep. them depth-wise. All right, let's move on here. Detroit, kind of an, a team I wasn't expecting to be flashy on draft night. They got involved early, and when I started to lay this out in the article, Scott, what I realized was they pretty much changed, upgraded, or at least added, amended to every single position on this roster, literally every single one, whether it was a draft pick, whether it was an acquisition, whether it was somebody that they flipped off. Um, telling, obviously Detroit has not been competitive, you know, and the Blake Griffin era there has been ugly, but this is aggressive. This is not a... You know, we're going to fill a couple of holes and hope we get ourselves close to contention. This is a fire sale. This is a wholesale change. 
too mm. aggressive? Or Detroit recognizing the East might be up for grabs a little bit here in terms of maybe, you know, the fourth, fifth seed? I think it's very aggressive. I think it, with the team of what they've done in production, it, it has kind of it, it's needed for them. Yeah. Um, Dwayne Casey's in there and he's going to figure out what he wants and the players he wants and they're going to draft the best that they can. Um, but yeah, if you look at the site right now, there's more pending transactions than the active <laughs> roster itself. And the active roster that's there, half of the players on that team are going to be gone. One of the players that they are acquiring from Atlanta, they've already said that they're going to waive. Who's that? So, um, Kyrie Thomas. Okay. Um, so you, you're left with Blake Griffin. Are they uh, keeping Derek Ariza? Because Ariza guarantees tomorrow. Is that correct? It does tomorrow. Okay. Are they keeping him? I would think so. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't know if they would flip him again. If they do, they have to wait. I just wonder if he's a, if, I wonder if he's a non, a, a wave option as well. I, I just wonder, I get my point in, in Detroit here. No, Scott, because is, it would be. Go ahead. No, because the full is going to be a 12, eight hit unless they want to stretch it. Yeah, which they could. But I, I'm going to say no right now, but it's an expiring. So they could keep them for the year and then they'll have space for in 2021, which everyone's looking for right now. I know. I know you mentioned it last time. That's what a lot of these teams are doing. But I, I guess I don't understand the aggressiveness then. Why move on from Luke Kennard? You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the depth chart here and I, I don't know. I just don't get it. I really just don't. I really don't get it. It's Derrick Rose. I, it's right. Langston. It's no, it's Jordan McRae, Trevor Ariza, Blake Griffin and Dwayne Dedman. How many games is that going to win you? You know what I mean? Like we 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 literally just yeah. saw them completely flip over their roster, five six guys, with draft picks and, and acquisitions, and I'm not sure they're even a little bit better. Seriously, right at this point, if you're going to rip the bandaid off, I mean, might as well move Blake if you can move Blake again. I mean, yeah, I I, I don't know I don't know what they're doing <laughs> except you know unless they're trying to acquire a as much cap space to be ready for 2021 and 2022 to bring in whoever they can there and get some picks out of it as well. But yeah, they, they're extremely aggressive and they just kept making moves, move after move after move. Yeah. It threw me off because I I didn't have my head wrapped around it and I haven't heard a good explanation today at all. So I was hoping you were going to have the silver lining for this all, but I I guess (laughs) it's just kind of thrown baloney at the wall, isn't it? (laughs) Um, all right, let's move on here. Uh, let's flip to the Warriors. You know, I know they've been the talk of the day for, for Clay Thompson reasons, for James Wiseman reasons. Um, they still have this trade exception, 17 plus. Andrew Wiggins Sounds is, like yeah, and Bob Myers has come out and said he has the okay from the ownerships to, to use it, which, to explain again why he has to get an okay to use it. <laughs> Because their their tax bill is going to go up exponentially. Okay. So what is the tax within, bill now, and what is the tax bill once they sign James Wiseman? Because that's that starting point is just ridiculous. They're at thirty two million right now. That's that's what they have to pay. That's what they have to pay extra. Okay. To back to the league so that they can cut it up and dish it out to all the other teams. Okay. And what else? What when they sign James Wiseman? 
I think it goes up to like 68. Yeah. Around there. And when they use that option, let's say it's Clint Capella, just. Well, right. Well, with the reports that are coming out, it's going to be Ubre. They're going to flip him to, from OKC. And what's um, he about 16 and change? He's 14. 14. So we're looking at it going up to like in the 130s. Oh my god. 130 million. That is the bill to be paid. Now, with that being said, because if the BRI comes in low next year, mm-hmm. after all this season's done, whatever the percentage is that it drops, they'll be able to do a percentage off of that tax bill, so that 130 million could actually come down. But there are some options as well. I mean, they could flip, you know, Kevon Looney or something else back to Oklahoma City Wiggins. if this happens. Wiggins. Or Wiggins the if road. they wanted to throw that. But um, I'm saying with this, with the trade, with absorbing Ubre with the exception, they could throw back another player okay. to try to offset some of that bill. And like we've said before, the bill doesn't hit until the last regular season game. So they'll have some wiggle room. But, yeah, we're talking $130 million right now as if anything, everything stayed as is without even a percentage off from the BRI dropping if it does. Scott, is there – I believe Washington had this happen. Is there any chance for cap relief for Clay Thompson because it's a preseason injury? So it's not necessarily cap relief. They would They would – receive another exception so they can apply for the disabled player exception which is 50 percent of the player's salary or the mid-level whichever's less so in this case it'll be less so we're looking at another trade exception for about 9.3 million dollars when they could get this year or next year for this season. holy cow they, they, so they had to apply they have to apply for it and then if they get it they can use it to um acquire a player wow on, on top of what wow. they uh, would already have so man but well i don't know if that's a good or bad thing with the tax bill but there, in other words there's options to stay in contention certainly although this certainly launches the lakers way back up um okay i was gonna kill the celtics a little bit because i thought they went way too chalk yesterday and could have been a lot more creative with their three first and, and blah 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 by the time I finished writing the paragraph on them, I realized, you know what? Sometimes just sitting on your hands is the right play. And making the picks they made, two first, they traded out of the third, got themselves back into, into second, and I believe two future seconds. Probably a good move because there's a, there's a bunch of contracts on that team coming to roost. I mean, Tatum's going to max. Jalen Brown already came close. You know, maybe they move on from Marcus Smart to save some room there, but... You know, there's some, you know, and obviously Kemba's a monster deal as well, whether or not he's long-term or not, we don't know. But, And then there's the elephant in the room, which was decided for today, which was Gordon Hayward, who had a $34 million player option on his last year, which you can confirm now he's officially opted out of. Correct. Okay. What does that mean? Have you heard anything on Gordon Hayward? Or do we just know that he has, he has given up in the middle of a pandemic, $34 million. <laughs> I have heard from what I've been reading and seeing all day is Atlanta or, yeah, Atlanta and New York have interest. And they have cap um, space. And they have cap space. And so the options are you can still do a sign and trade. Um, 
The fact that he is... They can. Wait. Because they still own his rights? Yeah, they do. So it's that would be a Durant kind of D'Angelo Russell trade kind of Correct. move, right? Okay, okay. Yep, yep. It, it, same, same with what Kemba did with Rozier last year. Okay. Um, so it, the fact that it was a $34.2 million option that he declined tells you that he and his agent know there are suitors that are going to give him north of that up to his max at 38. So at but least that's what I'm assuming. I don't think it's going to be per year. He's not worth that I, per year. I, I think there's well, a multi-year. That, I think there's a multi-year offer that exceeds 34 million, meaning you know he's got a guarantee of 60 million over three or something like. You know what I mean? To me, I, it's got to be that. It's got to be multi-year because if he makes 34 million a year from somebody, uh, this this league is broken. <laughs> this league is broken. Well, that and if they do a multi, you know, a four-year deal at th- 35 a year for him. He's he's an injury away from being That's done. What I'm saying. I mean, That's what I'm saying. There, it, it would just cripple a team with that. It it's almost to the extent of John Wall with the injuries that he's had. Yeah. And we've talked about him with being traded. So um, buyer buyer beware with Gordon Hayward. But he, the fact that he opted that out, there's got to be uh, some knowledge in his camp that they know that they're going to have something to go somewhere else and maybe it was just not a fit for him in boston and and on that side in trade whatever it is let's say it's 20 over three let's say it's three for 60 which even seems high just saying it out loud but i I guess if you know Lander or the Knicks, you might have to overpay a little bit to get him um the last point i have here on on my draft night storylines is that the hawks went big when i'm not sure they needed to go big they drafted a big man a versatile big man, a good big man, and he's going to be younger and cheaper than a couple of the options they have on the roster, does that mean they're going to be active in moving Clint Capella like I jokingly said last show? You know, to me, he's the odd man out. I realize they gave up a first-round pick for him from Houston, but not for nothing, I'm pretty sure Boston could use a big man. I mean, is that is that in the cards? Is Clint Capella's $16 million going to match Gordon Hayward's sign-in trade? Is that where what's happening here? It could, and if if Hayward's is even more, I mean, that's just another player that they could throw in on Atlanta side if they went that route. Right. But you're right. It, 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 talking about Atlanta and Boston is very interesting because as the draft was happening with Boston, I was like, what are they doing? They're going point guard, shooting guard, point guard. What they knew, and they and they I I even messaged you. I I messaged you offline and said, they they have to know that. They're getting a big man in free agency somehow yeah. because we we've been talking about that and also for a that year Gordon Hayward's leaving, and that Gordon yeah. Hayward was leaving. So the fact that they didn't go and get a big man out of all those picks shows that they they know or they have an idea of who they want to target in free agency mm-hmm. to bring someone in, um, and then subsequently, like you said, Atlanta. In, if if they want to do a sign and trade, that that could happen. Sure. Um, Hayward, may, maybe they he goes to the team and they just outright use cap space on him. Um, that is an option too. But um, I mean, Boston right now with Hayward off the the active roster. I mean, they're already at thirteen players for the active roster. So and they have a couple guys that are 
Is that including uh, the draft picks? That is not including the draft picks. Okay. There's three guys with non-guaranteed salaries, one of them which is uh, Daniel Tice. I know they like him, um, so we'll see what happens if they guarantee that and keep him. Or I mean, he could be something that gets thrown in a trade as well. Yeah. But they're at 13 without those draft picks even on there. So you've got to figure out. Well, I'll if say this, Scott. The, the two, the two, the two storylines that I kind of left open-ended were Boston and Atlanta because I thought there would be more active draft night from a trade perspective, and the fact that they weren't led me to believe that there's more coming from both teams. And whether or not that means they're going to do it together, yep, it makes sense. But it's not, it's not a given, of course. I, I just, I purposely put those two teams last on my article because I could see a, a little bit of a silver lining from both teams playing nice with each other. Um, Boston doesn't have to do anything. They're a pretty darn good team as it is. I think that's what you're trying to say with their current roster. They're a pretty darn good team right now. They could wait to the trade deadline, find somebody somebody on a bad team that just needs to get off. Um, I know Ennis Cantor did opt in, so he's there on a $5 million option. That's going to be of value, but you certainly don't have to use him on a regular basis. He's going to be a role guy like he was last year. You know, a Clint Capella, a Tristan Thompson, there's going to be a way to get him those players on Boston right now because of what they didn't do yesterday. Um, and because of course, Gordon Hayward opted out. So we're super, we are not even close to done. <laughs> the the, inter, no, the interim between tonight and Sunday is going to be maybe more impactful than what happens Sunday and Monday in terms of the actual free agent signings, because those are going to be, you know, the, the class that we have is not great. So the lead up is going to be where you want to be. This weekend is going to be where you want to pay attention to, um, and we're going to try to do as much po- as possible to shell it out. And on that note, Scott, you and I have been going back and forth on our NBA stuff quite a bit. Just a buyer beware out there to the NBA fans. Um, and it's not just Bogdanovich. Uh, it's more so the, the Dennis Schroeder move. It's more so the Anthony Davis move last year that we spoke you know, exhaustively about. Timing is everything. It, it, this is such a nitpicky complicated financial system this league um it's not you know you you can be so confused with the nfl and the guarantees or the lack thereof and prorated signing bonuses and dead cap and yes that has its complexities but the nba has been holding the beer (laughs) on complex financials for about 15 years now and it's only gotten worse because teams have gotten smarter with it they've been able to manipulate it more um and Making four moves, but putting them in the right chronological order can give you a leg up. You know, we all thought Rob Palenka was a moron. I'm, I'm going to be frank about that. We thought there was a point in time last year, really, you know, in early July, when we thought the Lakers had no idea what they were doing. And we were dead wrong. We, we were the ones that didn't know what we were doing. All of us, collectively, really, except for a handful of, of really smart basketball people, you know, I'm not even sure there were there were many GMs, Scott, that were that understood how the puzzle had to come together because it's do I want to be under or over in cap space? Do mm-hmm. I want to be right. do I want to be a taxpayer or under a taxpayer? Do I want to have exceptions or not have exceptions? Should I use the trade exception or not use the trade exception? All of that has a different conditional meaning at the end of it. And when you're tr- when you're the Lakers and you start with LeBron James at 30 plus million and, you know, You've got to trade five players to bring in Anthony Davis. That ain't easy. So I give the Lakers credit for getting that done, and obviously it worked. But you're going to have teams right now because there's no cap space. We've said this, we've been saying this for six months. 
Nobody has cap space. Atlanta has to renounce everybody in their free agent market to get cap space, and they'll have enough for a max contract. I'm not even sure New- the Knicks can get themselves to a max contract right now. They can get cla- they can free up actual cap space, but I'm not sure they can get themselves to like a major deal. So nobody's going to have just traditional how much cap space does this team have to sign a player. That's kind of gone this year. So everything that happens is going to be using exceptions, going to be using minimum veteran contracts, going to be using signing trades where we take on rights, and it's going to be really complicated. So I'm going to bring on Scott as much as possible to kind of un- unhash this and, and, and kind of you know use our resources to understand as much as possible. But uh, just kind of bear with it and don't assume anything. You know, don't assume that anything that's happening or being reported is happening exactly then. We're going to wait until it's official. We we built a a pending table in our NBA views so that you see that, hey, something's something's out there. You know, I I believe you mentioned it with Philly. Who's got all the Detroit? Detroit's got eight pending moves. But until we hear that they're officially official, we're not we're not going to put those players on the active roster because there's probably a purpose and a reason why Detroit hasn't done an official announcement, you know, there might be a free agent signing that's got to slide in first before they actually process that trade. So I know that's long-winded. I know Scott agrees with me. We've had this discussion uh, X amount of times. But just for you guys out there and gals out there that that follow this stuff, don't get fooled by the tweet, (laughs) okay? I, I mean, it's Bogdanovich coming back full circle. Don't get fooled by the initial tweet. What, what, what is being reported it doesn't necessarily mean it's A, going to get to the finish line, or B, is happening right now. There's more to come. There's more to come at Boston. There's more to come with Atlanta. There's probably more to come with Golden State and that trade exception. So just kind of uh, you know, pour yourself a beer and sit back and let this weekend kind of <laughs> unfold because it's, uh, it's complicated. It's fun. There's no other league like it. You know, super, James Harden's probably going to go, whether it's this week or, or a couple of months from now. Who knows? But no other league has that. Russell Wilson's not getting traded, okay? It's not happening. It's so we don't have other leagues that, that the best players, the MVP candidates, are on the trade block every offseason. But that's what we have with the NBA. So enjoy that part of it. But don't get fooled by, you know, X and X's tweet. And, and, and please understand that there is an order. There's a purpose to everything that happens. And we're going to try to keep up with it as much as possible. Yeah. yeah that, that, exactly. Um, I'll finish off with this. The timing is everything, and the in 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 years past we would have processed all these transactions as they were coming in, but because it's so the timing has become so so important, we decided to build that pending because you know, a perfect example is this Philadelphia with Al Horford trade. So, you know, they're flipping Danny Green, but they can't flip Danny Green from Oklahoma City to Philadelphia because. Danny Green has a trade restriction that has to pass through and then Philadelphia can process that. So uh, Philadelphia can sign and do other trades up until that point to move their roster. Yeah. So a- a- everything is fluid and everything has to have a specific timeline because in other words, know, in it, other words, Scott, Al Horford's salary cap is still on the 76ers payroll right, right now. That, that's that, that's something that I want people to understand. That's, that, that's like one example of what we're saying here. Al Horford is not a Thunder yet. <laughs> He's, he is not a member of the Thunder. He is literally, that, from a financial standpoint, he is on the 76ers books. So, uh, you know, we're trying to do our best to convey that, you know, X exists, but, you know, Z is coming. But, uh, you know, just don't drink the sauce too early. Scott's right. It's it's timing. It's It's 
you know, the 76ers are going to make more free agent moves here. Daryl Moore literally has said it. He's as transparent as anybody out there right now. But they, those are probably going to happen before Horford is officially traded. Do you, do you actually know when Danny Green's restriction lifts? Is it like 10 days? Uh, it is uh, 10 days. Yeah, so it, or December, uh, December 2nd, I something like somewhere. that. I think it's December 2nd. I December believe I 8th. saw that. So December 8th, I think it was. It's going to be a long time before Al, For- Al Horford is actually on OKC. So yeah, I know it was reported last night, and we're all excited about it, and I've got an article that talks about it, but that's what we're talking about. The, the, the actual cap tables don't update because there's a tweet out there. <laughs> there's a, there's, a, there's a, a pecking order. There's a process. There's a, every, you have to wait for it officially to happen. We're going start, to start to do that more and more on our end. So you know, if there's questions, at Spotrek on Twitter, and uh, we'll try to make sure we're up to date on, on all of it. But just kind of bear with us and bear with the NBA, and then just enjoy it. It's, uh, there's more movement here than, than you're going to get anywhere else. So have a good weekend. Good? Absolutely. Scott, yep. thanks. Good work as always. He's going to be busy all week and keeping up with all this stuff and then putting all the data and whatnot. Uh, it was a good draft. ESPN did a really nice job. And I know with, like, with Kevin, we talked about some of the deficiencies just from a broadcast slash social media standpoint. That's not just the NBA's fault. Everybody's dealing with that right now. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how it gets, how it gets, con- you know, is there going to be a channel? You know, does ESPN2 become Woj where it's just, or not some, maybe not even Woj. Maybe it just becomes like a Twitter feed. <laughs> we're like, if you don't want any of the riffraff, we're just going to throw the 60 picks out right there on ESPN2 and, and immediately react to them. But, but, but as they come in, as we know about them, as, as our GM tips come in, we're going to give you that information up front. So if you want an instant draft versus a storied, you know, thought-out, tearjerker, <laughs> emotional draft you know, on ESPN1, I, I feel like that's coming. I feel like there's going to be, you're going to have to broadcast different versions because there's just two distinct audiences, as Kevin and I talked about. Um, interesting. It's just, to me, it's interesting. Who knows? Jim Nance's contract is coming, as Kevin and I talked about. Keep an eye out for that. That's going to be a monster, knowing what Tony Romo makes now. My thanks to Kevin Sylvester. Good to have him back on the show. And, of course, my thanks to The Athletic. Check out theathletic.com slash track 40% off your first year. They've got draft grades up, as you might expect. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 